Welcome to our Thanksgiving mini episode. Yay! Yay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm thankful 2020 is almost over. No kidding. <laughs> I can't believe how close we are to the end. And it feels like it really will be the end because we're having the uh, the leadership shift, which we know we for really real now. are. I know. I know. Like, because my kids were like, Mom, what if this is like... Because, you know, like, we're big nerds. What if this is a time loop? <laughs> and <laughs> at midnight, the clock strikes 2020 all over again. And we're just, this is it from now on. I was like, don't say no. that. Because, I mean, really, no. it's just a day on a calendar and nothing changes. But like you said, because we have a new administration coming in, because there's talks of a viable vaccine. Yes. It just feels like things are going to be good. It's gonna happen i'll have a new appreciation for normal boring life i think Mm. i know i will Mm -hmm. yeah i already feel like i'm just less angry about like like as a baseline yeah Mm -hmm. no i get that it takes more to get worked up because (laughs) what else can be thrown at you (laughs) although did you see the giant ass alligator that someone filmed in Florida earlier today. Yeah, I just saw that. You uh, used to live in Florida. I did. We never saw anything quite like that, though. Good Lord. Okay, now we're going to have to put the link in the notes. So let me get on here. That was uh, prehistoric. So I was never um, scared of alligators until... So I live in Louisiana, for listeners who don't know. Um, I actually have a bayou behind my house. And the only time we ever see alligators is when it floods and they come in and then they go on their merry way. Because it's not, it's like there's a neighborhood back there and it's kept real clean. So there's nothing really there. Um, You can always tell when there's alligators because the turtles disappear and there's not as many turtles. (laughs) But (laughs) like really, like they'll come up and then wildlife and fisheries will come catch them and relocate them. And like it, it hardly ever happens, like once every few years. But I've seen alligators, like if you go fishing or if you go like tubing in a boat, like they're there. Um, Freak me out. I'm not originally from Louisiana, so it's not my cup of tea. My husband will go water skiing and be like, oh, look, there's an alligator over there. And like, it's nothing to it, but (laughs) not me. Sure. He's like, they won't bother you. I'm like, no. No, an alligator will bother you because they know (laughs) that they can run faster than you and tear you apart. Right. I think that's what people don't realize. They're so They're fast on very land. Very fast. Too. They're like so fast. Do not underestimate an alligator. So I was never scared of them because I never thought about it. And the only ones I'd ever seen had been kind of small. And then my friend um, Alicia came and visited me from Canada. And we were doing the touristy stuff in New Orleans. This was like in 2016, I think. Mm. And I was like, oh, let's go do one of these Cajun alligator tours. And it's just basically... They take you out in an airboat in the swamp and like point stuff out. <laughs> oh my God. It was, it was an alligator. It might not have been that big. I have it on video. It scared me. I was like, oh my God. And uh, she was like taking pictures. I was like, no, no, no. Lean back. <laughs> yeah. They move fast. Uh, when we lived in Florida, we used to take our dog to a park that was right down the street from our house and walk it around. And it was right on the water. And it was beautiful. And our dog started to really get super into like the waves would come up on this like one little small clearing in the trees on the shore. Uh-huh. And she would like bat at them like she was digging. Like it would drive Aww. her nuts that she couldn't catch the wave, which was adorable <sighs> and so much fun to watch Maybe. until my husband pointed out that our tiny little minpin was probably a great like 
mid-afternoon appetizer an appetizer for an alligator and we might not necessarily see one because they are so still and so like level with the water oh yeah and i was like "Mm, no more of that thank you (laughs) yeah no like i don't even know how we got on this tangent but i know like sometimes like we went fishing in in the marsh this is the most country thing i've ever done but i love to go (laughs) it's so fun we went fishing in the marsh right and i grew up in a like like my family didn't go fishing we didn't do that kind of stuff and my husband like loves to fish and things so we went out there we're in this boat and we're in like really south louisiana like downtown you know, like Cajun country, like down there, like there's nothing. There's like wild horses and like it's bananas. Wow. And uh, my husband's like, oh, look, you can see bubbles. There's <laughs> They're like, nope. Walking away. That's- Let me ask you this. While we're on the topic of alligators, important yes. question. In Louisiana. A very alligator Thanksgiving. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. In Louisiana, do they have... This is something that was very popular in Florida. You could find it, like, anywhere. It okay. was mini golf, but also there was, like, a pond in the middle where they kept baby alligators. And, like, they had these, like, fishing pole things where you could, like, buy little, like, bite-sized bits of hot dog and throw it over on your fishing pole. And the alligators oh, would no. jump up and eat them. So you got to, like, feed the alligators. That sounds like the most Florida thing I've ever heard in my life. Like, Florida man falls in pit with baby alligators. Yeah, no kidding. It's like the end no. of Jurassic Park. They'll, like, nip him a bit, like, a, to bits, even though they're very tiny and cute. There's a place in East Texas. There's, like, an – I don't know if it's still there because they've had a couple hurricanes and some flooding and a lot of their, like, reptiles got loose from this place. But I lived in East Texas for a little bit. Mm. And – uh there was like an alligator farm and they were always i guess looking for new ways to <laughs> earn money and so they started a zip line and you could zip line over the alligator oh my god what do you <laughs> think like the insurance idea. for that is good lord i mean everything happens in texas or florida <laughs> or australia i feel like that's like if you're on youtube and something crazy happens there's a good chance it is texas or florida or Australia. Australians do some crazy mm. stuff. Like I saw this guy jump out of a helicopter onto a shark one time. Yeah, yeah. And he was just like smiling what? at the camera. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to a shark. Yeah. Like like surfing on the shark or something or No, like wrestling it. Wrestling it, sure. Like trying to grab it. Yeah. And then his brother was there in a boat. I don't know. Like I'm gonna find this. I'm gonna find this link. And if I if if I find it, I will put it in the show notes. I am dying to see it. I mean, it could have been fake, but it seemed very real. <laughs> it seemed very real. I want to see it either way. I want to believe that it was real. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, I have absolutely no segues for that to our theme for nope. today. <laughs> um, Wait, I do. I do. Oh, so we're talking please. about Thanksgiving. Have you ever eaten alligator? Yes. <laughs> have you? I mean, naturally. Florida has, you know, like fried alligator yeah. right and left. Mm-hmm. The only time I ever got food poisoning was from alligator. Oh. And so now we always joke, like, that's some bad lizard. That's like, <laughs> if you don't want to eat, like, have you ever had nice. any bad lizard? It was in Texas, too. I should have known. Mm. Yeah, well, Florida so, did some good al- fried alligator. I will say that. I mean, they just kind of, like, popcorn it, little bite size. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, yep. tastes like chicken. Tastes like chicken. And this is the segue. Will you have alligator at your Thanksgiving? <laughs> it's not great. Sadly, not this year because I have to make the entire meal myself because I don't think we're going to be visiting with anyone. We're already talking how right. to set up our family Zoom. 
Uh, so, yeah. So yeah. Um, and if I'm cooking, that means we're actually probably going to uh, order everything in. So, you know, we can enjoy that, it. That's the best. I think that's the yeah. best. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, but actually, I'm kind of excited about this. There's this place in D.C. called Dangerously Delicious that's kind of like a cult following for their pies. So pies Ooh. is all they do, but they do sweet and they do savory. And so it's a big okay. thing to try to get their pies for Thanksgiving because there's a cutoff, which is actually Monday, which reminds me I have to move on this. But the other day, we we're trying to figure out, like, what are we going to do if we're not seeing anybody who is actually capable of cooking competently? And I was like, what if we just got like an all pie Thanksgiving from Dangerously Delicious? And we just got a savory Ooh. pie and we got a sweet pie. And like maybe if we really felt the need for certain side dishes, we could just do like, you know, like stuffing or the mashed yes. potatoes or something. Just all pie. I love it. I'm super into it. And I thought that I was going to get totally shut down. And Chris was just like, okay. I was like, yes. I could just see y'all sitting on the couch. I don't have no idea what your apartment looks like, but sitting on the couch <laughs> with like the coffee table in front of you on Thanksgiving with like a, you each have your own bottle of wine because why not? <laughs> and you have like all these pies on the coffee table and you don't even have plates. You all just, you just have big forks and you're just eating the different it, yeah. pies and just yeah. drinking straight from the bottle and watching sci-fi on television. Like <laughs> that seems very close. I'm pretty sure Chris will make me use a glass because he is much classier than me and <laughs> I'll use it that's fine I'll use a glass but we probably will still go through two bottles of wine I could see us doing that actually no I'm I am not the drink well saying I'm not the drinker I used to be is kind of stretching it because I've never been a huge <laughs> drinker but one bottle of wine will really do me anymore oh yeah eh. oh yeah pies giving pies giving it could be a new thing yes what are you guys doing you know, I don't know. I really haven't thought about it. Like, my month has been pretty crazy. If my sister's quarantine, then we'll probably get together with them. And who knows? Like, I always cook. I feel like I cook all the time. And I cook Thanksgiving food a lot just because I really like it. So, <laughs> good for you. I don't know. Maybe Justin will cook. Who knows? I like to cook, and he likes to cook. So, we're always cooking. Oh, my God. That's but, amazing. Um, Neither of us yeah, cooks. We're just like, no, easiest option. Three ingredients. Well, yeah. <laughs> we we do that from That's time to time, good. too. But I've been really on this, like, cooking kick. I've even been making dessert. It's been nice. pretty good. But I don't know what I'm going to do for Thanksgiving. Like, normally, what we normally do is go to my aunt's house. And it's, like, I have a huge family. Aww. We're not doing this this year. But I have a huge family. Like, a extended family, cousins. And it's potluck. And so, you bring, like, one dish. And then, like, my aunt does, like, the dressing and the meat and everything and then everybody else brings their stuff and it's pretty great it's like buffet style mm, yes and um like you have tables in every room that situation yeah. like always <laughs> like we never did like the pretty table sit down it was like tables here tables on the porch and it was just it was a lot of fun we yeah. had some family friends we used to do that with back in the day but everyone's moved in different places now that's as it goes mm -hmm. that's okay but that's a really nice way to do it getting a big group of people yes. like that together is like the best way to like conjure the holiday spirit for me anymore like I feel like the older you get the harder it is or maybe that's mm -hmm. me and my tiny cold Grinch heart but, <laughs> <laughs> but it really like it makes the spirit come yeah it's true though it's so true which I was starting to think ahead for this episode and I started to realize like there is no Thanksgiving in speculative literature like I started thinking about all the books all, like 
hardly anything is even based in America or anything America forward. If it is, it's a dystopia where no one celebrates Thanksgiving anymore because there is nothing left to be thankful for. Like I'm thinking Hunger Games. Right. (laughs) Nothing. I did the dumbest thing ever. The dumbest. I'm like, so I shouldn't even tell this on the podcast. It's so stupid. (laughs) Please do. This is where my brain said it was Tell us everything. So I was Googling, like, you know, I look into the movies and into shows and I like got all these lists and it was like Thanksgiving episodes. And I was, I was like, I really don't feel like watching any of these. Let me find a show that I really want to watch. And I was like, ooh, Doctor Who, they do all kind of specials. I'm like, why didn't Doctor Who ever do a Thanksgiving <laughs> episode? Because it's in the BBC, because it's not in America. Like, <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, Doctor Who, American Thanksgiving. And like, oh, it took me a good two minutes. Like, I was embarrassed afterward. I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I just did that. <laughs> the only Thanksgiving anything that I could think of was the Peanuts one. And that's like my least favorite of the Peanut movies. Yeah, I don't even think I remember it. I remember the Great Pumpkin. It's very historically based. Yeah, Great Pumpkin's yeah. a lot more fun. The Christmas one's yeah. a lot of fun if you celebrate Christmas. They have yeah. some other good ones. I think they have a cute Valentine's Day one. But yeah, Thanksgiving gets like really in the nitty gritty of like history. And it's just like, mm, pass. Yeah, especially since, well, we won't get into it on here because we're looking at like the very surface level. We're thankful for things Thanksgiving. <laughs> but especially when you grow up and you realize that's how not problematic really everything is. Yeah. 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 It's like we need to switch the narrative and change Thanksgiving <laughs> into just a holiday where you celebrate what you're thankful for. And we don't need like a fake history lesson. You know what I mean? Right. No more propaganda. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, the Soylent Greens people. Anyway. Anyway. So we decided, listeners, if you are still here after our gator talk <laughs> and our little romp around Thanksgiving table with our pies and our tartus, this was actually a challenge issued. We threw down the gauntlet to see if we could find for this mini episode a Thanksgiving themed science fiction. And like I said, there was a lot of shows, especially in the 90s, um, but I had never really watched any of them. And I feel like that was because that was like the golden time of like, like the WB and like shows like um, that were aimed at teens and like they weren't really after school specials, but they were like that early evening time slot. I mean, it was like during Buffy and Smallville and all of that. And so any, any time they could like capitalize on what uh, kids were celebrating. So that, that seemed to be kind of like the golden era, like the Buffy special and the Smallville special. And then there were some Star Trek ones way back in the day. But I went a completely different direction. I have two. One's I've talked about a million times and everybody's probably tired of hearing it. But if you haven't watched this yet, this is just me telling you again that you need to go on Netflix and you need to search for The Twilight Zone mm. and you need to watch To Serve Man. Ah. Is it technically Is it technically a Thanksgiving episode? No. But to me, it would be the perfect new tradition to watch this. <laughs> and I'm going to make my case for you. These aliens come down and they're super benevolent. Oh, they're coming into our world and they're bringing us these great things. And I'm like unpacking this as I make my point, like on the cuff here. So <laughs> I don't know where it's going to go. And <laughs> I'm in. I'm sold, like, actually. I see where we're you're going. We're here. You've never seen people like us before, but we're going to help you. 
um, just trust us. We will never do you wrong. And everybody's like, great, great, great. And it's been a while since I watched it. This was my takeaway. If I'm wrong, just tweet me. It's fine. Um, but they have this book and nobody knows how to like decipher it. Like nobody can break the code. I don't know why if these aliens are so benevolent, they won't just tell us, but they won't. And um, people are packing up their bags, getting ready to go uh, to their new home with the aliens where there's like no pain and everything's great. And somebody finally breaks the code and it's to serve man. Or maybe they already broke the title and they couldn't like read the book. I think that's what it was. And like literally there's this spaceship and I want to say it's in like New York. Like it's just parked there and there's like this staircase coming down and people are just like walking up it with the aliens. And so excited to be served. Somebody's like, they're so excited. They're like, yes, yes. And then somebody's like, wait a minute. It's a cookbook. It's a cookbook. So they were like... They come down and they went through all the trouble of being nice to us instead of just capturing us, like, I guess, uh, War of the Worlds. And to take us to their planet, to fatten us up and baste us and brine us and serve us on a platter with an apple in our mouth as they gathered around and probably, probably with their whole families who they barely tolerated and talked about (laughs) what they were thankful for for the entire year. So perfect Thanksgiving viewing tradition. I do deeply appreciate that. Yes. I have a second one, but I'm going to save it for later because it's not as great. (laughs) All right. But no, I mean, that's such a great, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? My brain has been complete mush since the election started. I'm not stressed anymore, but my brain is still mush. Anyway. It just relaxed. It got supered in and it was just like, oh, <laughs> thoughts. I, I don't break. need that. Um, but I, metaphor is not the word I'm looking for. It's like deeper. Anyway. I'm so deep. <laughs> it's good. I'll think of it in an I hour know. and shout it out at the end. <laughs> You'll wake up in the middle of the night and slap Chris <laughs> in the back of the head. Are you Eureka? Yeah. Uh, but anyway, Sorry. it's such a good, uh, like, point for point comparison to exactly what we did to the Native Americans of this country when we came yeah, here. I love pretty... it, love it, love it. Also, I gotta yeah. say, like, Twilight Zone, especially those, like, winter holidays, so that span, I guess, starting with Thanksgiving and going through New mm-hmm. Year's, is I deeply associate with Twilight Zone in general, because they yes. do all the reruns and the specials, and especially, I guess, it's New Year's Day, um, and it's just such a nice it's one of my favorite I wonder, traditions, I gotta say. I do too. I wonder why that is. Did it used to play like a marathon or something? <laughs> yeah, they used to do like a 24 hour spree. I don't know what channel it was though. I saw that too because I remember with Justin's brother, who is now like a grown ass adult flying airplanes. <laughs> so this was a long time ago because he was in school, like junior high or high school. Uh, late, we like were on the couch, me and this, he was like a kid. He was like kid brother material. We watched so much Twilight Zone. We watched it for like 16 hours. Yeah. And uh, I had already seen most of them. But it's just, <laughs> it's always fun too when you've seen them. Well, you think you've seen them all, but you haven't. There's so many. But 
to watch it with someone and introduce it to someone and show them your favorite episodes because there's some duds i mean there's always oh some duds, but- yeah anytime you get like standalone episode to episode things there's a lot of duds and some real gems <laughs> yeah there's one um when i was asking people their favorite episode that kept coming up called the howling man and that feels like a real cold weather episode like somebody i can't really remember what it's about but like they end up stranded in bad weather and they're in this uh, castle or something and they're like well don't go down there and let that person out no matter what happens and you hear like this howling I might be getting more than one episode confused into a single episode but this is what I think happened anyway and he lets him out and I think it was like the devil oh or something it was really neat yeah the wrong castle yep yeah opening up those doors no good ever comes from uh going against your promise to your host that's for sure. No. <laughs> it's a <None>. hospitality tale. <laughs> oh, Twilight Zone. So great. Well, this one was really hard for me. Um, a lot of the stuff that I watch that's like speculative, it's usually alternate world. So I'm thinking like Battlestar Galactica. I'm thinking through like all of my different stuff in like coming up totally blank. And so I started Googling it and totally cheating because I was like something somewhere entangles Thanksgiving or themes with Thanksgiving into something. And I came across some lists. And on these lists was a Buffy episode that I could not for the life of me remember. Even after I read the full synopsis, no memory of this episode at all. But a lot of other people (laughs) clearly did remember it. So it must have happened. (laughs) It sounds like a real gem. It just escaped you like that. I mean, to be fair, I loved Buffy so, so much, but I've only seen it once start to finish a few years ago. So I didn't even get to see it when it was like releasing. I watched it as an adult much later. So it must have just like gotten squished in there with everything else. But the episode is called Pangs and it ran Thanksgiving week in 1999 and it was season four. So they're in the college years at that point. So in this episode, I guess Buffy's mother has to leave for the weekend on Thanksgiving. So Buffy's like really bummed out. But then she's like, I'm going to make Thanksgiving dinner for all my friends. As one does. Wait, in and high like school. she's in college, in college and she's like, at, <laughs> and her mom's just leaving her. Her mom's leaving her on Thanksgiving and she's just going to make a Thanksgiving dinner as a college great student. great 90s parent right there. <laughs> right. Uh, so that's what is happening but of course in the meantime so this is at this point riley the college boyfriend has come on the scene so he's hunting down spike for reasons i guess angel is stalking buffy to quote protect her because of something bad that he thinks is going to happen to her and in the midst of all of this at thanksgiving the uh spirit of some native american people the uh chumash who is a real Native American people along the Californian coast starts to get like to come back and they start to like all of the wrongs that were done to them when we took over their lands, they now thrust onto whoever's, I don't know, on the Buffy show. Right. So, yeah. So, like, Xander has like various plagues and these. Like, Chumash people are, like, randomly attacking Buffy and company, like the whole Scooby gang. (laughs) 
And then at the end, the only way for them to stop being accosted by these terrible horrors that were probably truly done to this Chumash people was for them to use their own weapons against them to defeat them, which seems like a very out of these times sort of conclusion to this entire thing. I could not believe it. Yeah. I was thinking like that is very like 90s appropriating. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, I don't know if this was a Joss Whedon story to tell. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if this was definitely not the ending. No, I couldn't believe it. Sometimes I watch stuff and like cringe. I was thinking about Twilight the other day and how that would never get written this way, that way now. Yeah. Let's take, let's take this Native American people and just make them into werewolves. Right. Like what? (laughs) You couldn't think of anything else. Hashtag othering. So anyway, Buffy makes an entire meal for her friends. Everyone's destroyed. They have to destroy everyone else. And we just kind of repeat everything that happened. So wait, wait. They did use their weapons and sent the Native American people back? Absolutely, they did. Oh. Yes. And like the people, what caused them to rise up? Was there like some portal or... Yeah, I'm sure there was. That's a great question. And they only attacked the Scooby gang. Boy. I, I Maybe it was more, honestly. Like I said, I don't actually remember this episode. So I am speaking with completely falsified sense of confidence. Like, this is not real. I don't know what I'm talking about. But I couldn't come empty-handed. No, if you rewatched it as an adult, you probably, like, watched it and were like, cringing the whole time. Like, what is Ooh. happening? Yeah, it doesn't sound the next right. It, yeah, <laughs> I, I like the idea of them coming back and getting their revenge, but for the uh, the, <laughs> the people who came in and took their land from them and attacked them in the first place, right. even if it's ancestors right. to then turn their own weapons against them just to stop being victimized in turn, and maybe that's not the best ending. Not some great writing there. Couldn't we have found an ending that like, no, no, we took the easy way out. These were not demons like the other things that Buffy's up against. They were not vampires. They were not monsters. This should not have been a, a episode they wrote. Just totally, totally. Yeah. Like they're not the monster of the week. <laughs> they were like, let us do a Thanksgiving episode. Hmm. And instead of thinking, hey, what about a possessed turkey? Like, oh, God. I feel like I would have remembered a possessed turkey. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, mm-hmm. that would have been great. Why couldn't we have found an ending where the way to end all of the madness was to help these people Make who were peace. tortured and victimized find some sort of personal peace so that they can rest and move on and not be tortured by this anymore? I Yeah. Right. Yeah, that would have still felt a little like maybe we're like, you know, Joss Whedon isn't the person mm-hmm. to write it. Mm-hmm. But at least it would have been like, well, he, I see what he's trying to do there. Right. Because there's a couple of episodes, like there's a Doctor Who episode where I get what they're trying to do. And they're trying to bring these issues to the forefront. Mm-hmm. But the way it's done, I feel like it's not quite pulled off. And it feels like you're trying to turn something into a television show that a, a silly sci-fi show with aliens that maybe yeah, shouldn't be. And it's just very tricky. Yeah. So I just yeah, kind of know what kind of show think, you are. You know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's like, like, 
I get what you're trying to do. And I really felt like it was coming from not the Buffy show, but like the show I'm talking about, the Doctor Who show. I felt like, like you know, I get what you're trying to do. Like they did an episode on, um, well, they did several episodes. They did one on a, a part. I, I'm going to say the word wrong. Apartheid? Yes, they did one on that. So then they did an episode on Rosa Parks. And it wasn't that they handled the history of Rosa Parks wrong. It was actually a lot of information there. But it was like, then they were like, oh, an alien's going back in time to make sure that this happens. And I was like, uh, okay, Doctor Who is not the hero of the Rosa Parks story. So <laughs> maybe just leave it alone. That badass did that all herself. <laughs> yeah. Right, exactly. So oh. I, I don't know. I just fast forwarded through and I was like, all right, this is a BBC show. Maybe they don't get it i don't know but anyway let's know. let's get back onto some uh i think it's hard when you're like friends. serial like that and you're trying to yeah like i think they sometimes bite off more than they should be chewing and then it just comes out like the rest of the show and then like there's this weird thing with some shows like if they've never done anything like that and now they try to do it, it just feels like they're trying to cash in on being woke and that's kind of weird. And I hate to say that because this is like my favorite show and they did kind of pull back from it and I just felt like, well, if you want to be more current and relevant, what you need is more characters of color and diverse storylines within your world, not go back to Rosa Parks and have Jodie Whittaker save the day <laughs> you know like there's a way to do it and I feel like maybe they got some feedback and realized that and they kind of pulled into that direction Good. and they seem to be going there but I felt like because they had the first woman doctor doctor who and they were dealing with a lot of gender issues that maybe they thought oh let's attack all these issues and they just weren't there wasn't enough finesse there you know look that's why writers are important people yeah, yeah, diversity in your characters, diversity in your writer's room, all that shit. Right, exactly. Yes, okay. yes, yes. Do you have another one? No. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to take us off of that onto this. Okay, so all of this, this was not supposed to be a deep episode, like, at all. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I am going to overcorrect us back <laughs> into the other direction. And I'm going to somehow make this one work with Thanksgiving. So bear with me. We always eat all these delicious foods at Thanksgiving. It is all we think about. We say we think about what we're thankful for. And we are. We do. But it's about, I mean, we're really thinking with our stomachs here, right? What if your food wanted to eat you back? I am talking about Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. <laughs> 1978, I think. The only reason I know about this movie is because there was a time in the mid-90s where for some reason, like this was, okay, folks, Gen Z, if you're listening, there was a day back when you only listened to, I mean, only listened to, only watched cartoons on Saturdays and maybe in the afternoons after school. And you had to watch whatever was on there. Like it, it, my kids, it blows their minds. Um, and I'm not that old. I'm a millennial, but... <laughs> It was there. It was a time. And so there was this weird and strange time where, oh, God, it's like this blip where they made these cartoons that come on on Saturday, and they were based off of, like, real movies. 
and like Saturday Night Live sketches. Cause I, and even books, like, like there's, they're, duh, there's cartoons based off of books, but there was a Where's Waldo cartoon based off of the <gasps> Where's Waldo books. And that was strange, but there's a new one of those I've just found out from my nephew. What? Are they constantly looking for Waldo? Yeah, girl, it was Waldo and Wendy and Professor, wait, Wizard Whitebeard and the little dog. Yeah, it was a whole thing in the Whoa. in the 90s. There was an Ed Grimley cartoon, I remember, because he was obsessed with paprika. <laughs> and, like, I didn't know what paprika was, and I loved it. It's a great word. Um, there was the Beetlejuice cartoon, which I was majorly obsessed with. I was very scared of Beetlejuice. I love Be- I had a sit. My six-year-old birthday party was Beetlejuice. <laughs> um, yeah, my cake and everything. Um, <laughs> and there was a Bill and Ted cartoon, and there was like all these random cartoons. And then there was the Attack of the Killer Tomatoes cartoon. And I remember watching. There couldn't have been more than a few episodes because I remember watching it, but not a lot. And it's kind of, I don't know what the deal is when you're a kid and you see something and it just kind of like, like, I can't remember yeah. anything now. Certain things I'm in my thirties and I can't remember anything, but stuff sticks in your head and you're just like, oh, you know, there's a cartoon I watched one time in 1994 and I can still remember what happened. And it's about these tomatoes that for whatever reason, I don't know, it's exactly what you think it would be. They rise up and they get revenge and there's like... I was reading about it. Um, I'm going to see if I have it right in front of me right here. So I don't. Okay. Yes. So yeah, it, it opens up the movie, which came out in um, the 70s, 1978, I think, uh, opens with, and I've never seen this movie. I've seen clips from this movie. Uh, basically a quote from Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds and how Everybody thought it was silly until birds attacked. And then now nobody's laughing. And then it cuts to scenes of like the tomatoes fighting back. (laughs) And just to give you an idea of um, the kind of movie this is. The president, there might be some problematic stuff here, but maybe not. I don't know. I'm looking on Wikipedia right now. But the president and then like a scuba diver, an Olympic swimmer, they go out to like fight these tomatoes. Okay. And one of them infiltrates the tomatoes base camp apparently i don't know if they're dressed as a tomato and they get around the fire and they eventually give themselves away by asking got any ketchup (laughs) (laughs) yeah this was a real movie that got made that is a gem (laughs) i think there's a sequel i think there's a (laughs) killer tomatoes too and then there was a cartoon so apparently i think there must have been some nepotism involved in getting this made because somebody did not pitch this idea and get a movie a sequel and a cartoon out of the deal but anyway so i think this has to do with thanksgiving simply because (laughs) the tomato is very underrepresented on the Thanksgiving table. There's no tomato sauce. There's no salad. There's no tomato. And the tomato is angry. And <laughs> we have the killer tomatoes. Thank you. Mic drop. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I have nothing to top that. I, 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 anything you say at this point will top that, actually. <laughs> If you have another alligator story, that was glorious. Oh, like anything at this point. Um, yeah. 
that's a, that's it. And I did some some epic googling like you did, and I, <laughs> I feel like we probably came across the same uh, yeah, lists. I think so. There's only you know? a few of them, and they've got a lot of crossover. Are you going to watch any science fiction or read any sci-fi over the Thanksgiving <gasps> holiday? Yeah, I'm hoping to. Um, it's kind of one of those nice gifts of time, you know, that Thursday, Friday mm-hmm. off. Uh, I mean, first of all, I'm a huge, huge Macy's Thanksgiving parade girl. Oh, yeah. yeah I'm yeah. very happy to hear that even though I think they're not really letting crowds gather for the obvious reasons this year, the balloons will be out. The parade is happening. Aww. So if you're home and so they'll march with the balloons. Yeah, they will. That's they'll do nice. the performances and everything. So from home, watching on my television in the warmth of my home, not outside in the freezing cold of no- late November, it should be a similar experience. So that's like my number one. Uh, and then, yeah, I've got <laughs> my, my reading list has gotten really out of control lately. I've got um, my friend Gareth Frank's book I am still reading, uh, The Moment Between, which is kind of a supernatural thriller, uh, mostly about a group of people who are doing some experiments in a hospital about what happens when you have like a body death for a few minutes and then return. Uh, so that's been interesting. And then I started reading another book by our City Owl sister, Emily Hornberg, or E.E. Hornberg. Oh, yeah. I've seen a little bit. Uh, The Night's Chosen. And that's been very, very nice. It is a lovely fantasy world that is very detailed, very rich. And I'm really enjoying that a lot. It's a Snow White adaptation. And it's very, uh, yeah, like feminist forward. It's very elaborate. I'm going to have download it i'm having a lot of fun with it but then i also uh came in possession of my pre-order for v.e schwab's latest book the invisible life of addie larue so i took that with me on a cabin vacation uh where we were isolated but we did get out of our house for a little bit and started reading that as well so i now have three print books that i'm currently reading i'm enjoying them all it's very difficult i'm very stressed about it um, but no, then on audio, I am also reading something because that's what I like to do when I go on runs and sometimes when I'm cooking and everything. So I'm actually taking a break from some sci-fi there and I'm reading Amy Poehler's Yes, Please. How are you liking that? I mean, it's pretty good. I, there's some interesting stuff in there. This is a little bit outside of my usual genre, so it takes a lot for me to like go nuts for it. Right. So I haven't quite found something that makes me go nuts for it yet. But I'm right at the part where she's talking about being in Second City and going off to New York and Tina Fey's in the mix now. So that gets me a little bit more engaged. So is it like her memoir? Memoir? I'm trying to say this with my accent without being stupid. Memoir. I'll I'll give it my East Coast bent. Memoir. Yes. Um, memoir. Okay. Yeah, it is. So I'm this is like her you. like essays, memoir, whatever, ph- personal cool. philosophy, you know, celebrity book. So on your recommendation, I am reading The Library at Mount Char. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm so excited for you. Yeah. I started it in the middle of the night when I couldn't sleep the other night. Ah. That shit is scary. <laughs> it's so good though. Isn't it weird? It is so weird. I'm not very far. I mean, I'm further than I thought I was, but I'm not very far because I still have no idea what's going on. I'm like, what the hell? But it's very good. But then my Libby um, 
hold came through for like everything at once and i i put several of them like you know how you can borrow them later and it just bumps yes. you to the top of the list i did that with a bunch of them but then i went ahead and borrowed the night circus because i really want to read it yeah. and then um I'm also like my comfort read. I always I'm reading Dead Until Dark again. <laughs> oh yeah, that's fun. Yeah, because it's super easy. It's super fast. Um, and it's kind of like, I mean, I'm not putting down on the book. It's a good book, but it's like candy for your brain. Like it, yeah. you can just read it and digest it really quick. Absolutely. It's, and it's not super dark. And almost everything I read is super dark. And then I started this, um, like you taking a break from science fiction and fantasy. Typically, I listen to nonfiction um I listen to a lot of psychology and I listen to a lot of like bio biology when like about neurology and the brain I'm very interested in that and how that works and habit but I take in a break and I'm listening to um I want to I think it's called little cruelties and Ooh. I cannot think of the name of it it's from an Irish author and she's pretty famous I think Liz Nugent it is so good and so well written but this book, like, I'm going to have to take a break from it and come back because it is, um, every character sucks. Like, they're all bad people and they all do terrible things. I think, like, you start off and you, she does this wonderful thing where you know in the beginning one of the brothers is dead. You don't know which one. And then so it goes back and it tells their story from their point of view. And every brother has its own voice actor reading. And um, you get like sections, big chunks of book, but it's not linear. It'll be like 1974, 1989, 1993, 2016, 1975. And it's neat. And it's just these important parts. And in the beginning, you think they're a good kid, a good person. But slowly you realize like these are crappy people. And it's doing that with each one of them. And she does really good. Um, but I'm going to have to take a break because they're all, I, I feel like yeah, if somebody mm -hmm. likes the show Succession, they would like this. Ooh, I do love that. I do love that show. That's a beautiful show. A lot. And I really like it. Like, I'm not putting down on the book. Oh, my God. You know what I love even more than the show? What? The theme song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is yeah, on my good. Spotify playlist. I love it so freaking it? much. It's like classical music went badass. It's like it went thug. There's a lot of. Okay, so when I make, like, writing playlist, I have quite a few theme songs on there. Like, without words. Like, I always have the Game of Thrones one on there. Oh, um, yeah, so I have to go back and add this one. I don't know. It just puts me in that creative mindset. This is just on, like, my jamming out, like, pop song list. It's just, like, what I jam out to. <laughs> I don't think it's so cool. <laughs> cool is one word for it, but I think it's got quotes around it. No, but I was just, like, I don't listen to this song more and just put it on there uh, hey i mean you like what you i'm sure i i can't remember i remember liking it but i can't remember what it was but now as soon as we're on the podcast i'm gonna go find it it's, of course i am yeah it's um, like punk class but it, if you like it you would probably like this book and this book is really good and if it was the only thing i was reading it wouldn't be too much but considering i'm also you know reading the library at mount jar and um, yeah that's another nice light <laughs> read for you yeah i'm like i really need something fluffy uh -huh. i need to read a romance and my friend lexi's book just came out am Bellefleur, um and it is called written in the stars and it is actually has nods to bridget jones diary and pride which Bridget Jones' diary has nods to Pride and Prejudice. So in a way, it's kind of a Pride and Prejudice reimagining. And it's a female-female romance. And it 
is between an actuary and an astrologer. And I haven't dove into it, but I've read the first few pages and laughed out loud. It is so funny. It opens, this girl is walking and she has a wedgie and like her panties are riding up her ass and she's trying to figure out how to get them out without anybody seeing. (laughs) And she's in the middle of like this really crowded place. And the way Lexi writes it, it's so funny, but it feels very almost like upper crust, like with the language. (laughs) And so it's this great, like you're reading about a wedgie, but (laughs) I don't know. I really enjoyed it. And I feel like that I'm going to have to take a plunge into that. And I look forward, like I would love this year. Well, this year, next year, (laughs) 2021, I would love to read some fantasy that just completely makes me think about the genre differently, completely blows my mind. I still have Addie LaRue. I haven't read it yet, um, but I own it. I bought it. Of course I did because it's, you know, Victoria Schwab. Yeah. Buy all the books, you know. Okay. If you want something to really like melt your brain, I have another one for you. And this is very timely. Okay. I think I've recommended it to you before, but they just released the shortlist for the National Book Awards. So it's very timely because it's on that list. So I'm going to mention it okay. again. I know you've heard me talk about my obsession with Charles Yu. Okay. He is like metapunk. So there's not just like the story yes. that's happening, but there's always like, there's also like what's happening outside the story. Uh, the best example that I can come up with, which is appropriate because he's a writer for this show. Uh, is Westworld. So there's what's happening in the story, but then there's also this like secondary awareness outside of the main plot of like dissecting it. Or another really good example is Cabin in the Woods. Okay. If you've seen that horror film. I know you, it's on my list. You keep recommending it. But anyway, he does a huge amount of this stuff. It's, and I have not read this one yet, but I am so obsessed with him. His first book, How to Live Safely in a Science Fictional Universe, was so great and it's just such a weird like topsy-turvy alternate way of thinking about plot about the genre about like just how everything comes together for a story and so it's like very like emo melancholy in some ways because of who the main character is but it's also just like quirky and so funny and just very original and I've read a bunch of his short story collections too and I don't even usually like short stories but it's just so original and so fun. So I love, like, short stories are kind of like my kryptonite. Like, I love them. I, I struggle with writing short stories. It's a whole different thing than writing a novel. Um, and I haven't quite, I don't feel like I've quite cracked it yet. But I love reading them. So if he's got short story collections out, consider them ordered. Because you want... Like, I love it. The, the the collection that you want is Sorry, Please, Thank You. Sorry, Please, Thank You. Yeah, it's fantastic. However, I will say this. I, Despite the fact that I just spit off four titles that I'm reading right now, I've actually been trying to kick mm-hmm. back and not read so much this month, or at least not feel as much pressure to read this month, because I am trying to do a spin on NaNoWriMo since it is November, are you doing any NaNoWriMo-y type thing? National Novel Writing Month? Here's where I'm at. I want to. I have a book outlined in my office. I'm very visual. Like, I have a whole wall of whiteboards. <laughs> That's and amazing. So I have a beat sheet done. I have it all outlined. I know what's going to happen. I've got my brain wrapped around it. But I can't really. I kind of started it. And then I got edits back from my editor. 
And I've been basically reworking, not my editor, my agent, I'm sorry. I've been reworking, um, she probably feels like my editor right now <laughs> after this book. Um, reworking this last scene and these these different scenes um, to move some things around. Like what a, I think a lot of people that don't write don't realize is a lot of times when you write your story, you don't write it in order. Like mm-hmm. at, scenes will come to you out of order and then you stitch them together. And then when you send it to your editor, your agent, or your critique partners, if something doesn't work and it's like right in the middle of the story, well, you're going to work on that. And then you have to stitch it back in and make it seem like it was never cut out and fixed to begin with. So I moved my climax up and of course that affected everything. So I've been working on this and probably I should count the words I'm writing to NaNoWriMo because I'm writing a lot of words. Like I probably wrote 2,500 words today, but it's in the same world. And it's just, you know, it's a different part of your brain when you're doing that than when you're drafting. It's like, you're just, you think differently. I don't know what it is. And no, I mean, I love this story. It's, I'm writing a book about a serial killer, uh, in great shoes. So (laughs) what's not to love? Um, but I haven't officially done NaNo and it's like, I'm not signed up in its official capacity where you start mm-hmm. a new project mm-hmm. and you like just track the words. Cause I was worried that I would just be depressed because I wouldn't get to start until like next week. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's hard cause you have to be ready to go right at the start of the month or you're kind of screwed. And I've never really had it align with where I am in a story. Like right now I'm deep into a revision level of the story. Like it's already got 110 words. I'm trying to cut down by like 30 K. Like it's like writing 50,000 words this month is not what I need. (laughs) So I've been calling it nano revmo so I can feel like I'm part of it. Revisions. But (laughs) I'm doing that too. I'm in. I'm doing that too. No, my word count crapped up. I'm at 102 and I've got to get it down. Like I need to get it down to like 90. And it's so hard because I'm, I've got scenes I have to add. which will only add more words. So I have to go decide which baby to throw out of the house, you know? almost said which baby to kill, but I don't want to use that. That's not a (laughs) saying I want to be credited to, like, for me. Fair enough. Um, But no, um, so one thing I think that I have found as I go back through mine is that there are definitely scenes where I before was like, yeah, this needs to see, like, you know, seam these two things together here or connect dots for something. And then I went back and I was like, I am fucking bored with this scene and just deleted it and did not miss it for a second. So I think you'll go back and find that you can cut more than you realize. And then, um, or I wish the same for you. Let me put it that way. <laughs> I think I have a I'm feeling. I'm sure I will. Uh, and then um, when I was writing my YA dystopian novel before this one, I had it up to like, I think it was 92,000 at one point because uh, my agent at the time had asked me to flesh out some of the world building. And, oh wait, eh, I'm getting my timeline mixed up on when it was various versions of itself. But at one point it was like 92 and I was told to cut it down to like 80. And I was like, this is not going to happen. And then I started reading it and was horrified at how many words could just be cut from like the sentence level. And over like peeling through sentence by sentence of the entire thing, I got it down to 81. That's awesome. It was that's nuts. Awesome. So maybe that's just my weak wordy writing style. But I did end up bumping it. It's currently 86 because I felt like there were some things that kind of let it breathe and be its complete self. I feel like that's, but a, good, that's a good word count for Hawaii though, right? I think 86? it's a little on the high side, but maybe not so much for speculative. I don't. Yeah, because there's some YA 
fantasy and like urban fantasy now that it's coming back now that are pretty thick like yeah um, that's true serpent and dove by shelby maharan i don't know what mm. the word count is on that but it's on my shelf and it's it's a it's a thick one. Oh, and um I mean it's great. Don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking <laughs> it. Jeff Vandermeer just wrote a uh, young adult novel too and I am pulling it up because it's in my audio library. But it was I was very surprised at how long that one was. Although maybe I should not have been since Jeff Vandermeer is a little quirky all around anyway. But it was Hmm. It's funny you said on a sentence level you went and knocked stuff out. One thing I've noticed with mine is when I write, apparently I don't understand that there are contractions of words and I never write a contraction. Not really? in dialogue, not in anything. And it's so weird. Like my character will be like, I cannot do that instead of I can't do that or whatever. And it's like I have to go back and make contractions. I will never I'll. That is very interesting. And um I've actually used that on occasion when I'm trying to distinguish between different characters' voices. I'll be like, this one uses, like, contractions and sling for everything. This one does it mm-hmm. only when I feel like to not use a contraction is, like, too forced. Right, right. Okay, so the, the Jeff Vandermeer novel I was talking about, his first YA, is called A Peculiar Peril. And much in line with uh, what you were talking about with the length, being very long recently although he does weird fiction so I feel like they get to be exempt from like all the rules yeah like the genre weird not just he's weird um but his like the (laughs) audiobook of this and usually an audiobook is like eight to ten hours right right it is 22 hours long how what I don't know words is in this book I don't know but it's very long I feel like when you've been in the game for a while, though, you have you a lot freedom. more, you yeah. know, like it's going to sell. Because I, I get why they do the word count, because it's an investment and it's more expensive to publish, paper publish longer books, I guess. Yeah. That's what they a say. A little bit. Uh, I saw a breakdown of it once on a blog, so who knows how accurate it was, I guess. But they were saying, like, the actual price point difference for the production value is not that big a deal when you're talking about the paper inside cover pages versus like the cover and doing the pages in general and all of that right so I don't know but um my feeling on all of that like I, I feel like I've seen so many authors who get really established and then I don't like their later works as much because they are longer and I feel like their editors are not pushing them as hard as when they were less established because they know they'll sell anyway or I could see too being nervous like being an editor for an author who is kind of a big deal even if you're a well-known editor and if the author is still well known like when they push you back on something it would be harder to, like, stand your ground. You know Which, what I mean? Which, like, I feel like a lot of that is on the author. Like, you should be establishing a relationship with an editor where they can, they, they feel like they can make you be your best. Don't be a freaking bully just because you sell well. Yeah. I don't ever want to be, I never want to be in a position where somebody, like, I always want to be edited. Because here's my fatal flaw. I think everything I do when I first do it is amazing. (laughs) 
Like, I think it's awesome. (laughs) And I need somebody to be like, oh, sweetie, no. Because I have queried stuff before and sent fools out before that later I read. And I was like, the story's fine. But the writing, I'm like, dear God, this is so embarrassing that I sent this out there. It's like having something in your teeth. Like, why did no one tell me this? Yes, yes. And it's so painful when you fix it, though. Because you're like, it's there's this point when you write a book where it's still precious to you. Um, but after you've done deep edits and you've like worked on it for a while, it's like you said, it's just like holding down the delete button. It's not precious anymore. You don't even care. You're trimming the fat and like the book is better for it. Um, and I feel like that's what I'm going through right now with this book, because for a while it was like, it was almost like every comment I was like, Oh, it stung. Yeah. But now I'm just like, fixing it don't care if you're not bleeding over your book at some point though like why are you writing it you got to care about it that much and then yeah you get over it at some point and kick the kick the shit out of it (laughs) right if you don't love writing you shouldn't write because it's like having homework every day for the rest of your Mm -hmm. life Mm -hmm. NaNoWriMo my sister is in academia and she's said similar things she's like yeah if you don't want to work in this setting you like you have to really want to work in this setting because it's thankless and it's a lot of work and you're exhausted I'm like oh no I get it I totally get it so yeah that's our tangent hour on our Thanksgiving <laughs> mini episode Thanksgiving <laughs> have some turkey have some pie turkey. that's all I got Friendsgiving. <laughs> that's all I got roar roar <laughs>